Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the post game Buckeye talk. Cleveland.com, Doug Lambrice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, Ohio State, a victor. What was the score? 50-something to something? 59 to 7 over the fighting Akron Zips. 59 unanswered by the Buckeyes. Which was like, oh, what a what a 59 to nothing run by the Buckeyes to put it away, which means they were trailing Akron. By the way, T. Shoe, another vomit emoji night for him. This was his best bet. He said if it was going to be under 49, Ohio State giving the points was going to be his best bet. Ohio State wins by 52 because a touchdown pass hit an Akron guy in the hands in the end zone in the final 20 seconds, and he dropped it. So the Buckeyes do cover. I want to talk about three things, guys, on this primarily. And I think this is – I'm trying to do this in the postgame pod because we could talk about a million things. Also, it's 11 in the morning. One, quarterback situation. Two, Pass rush. Is it solved? Three, Kayvon Pope extravaganza. What happened? What does it mean? And then everything else we can get to later. Nathan Baird, Kyle McCord in this game. Nervous start. We get it. We did a post-game video. It's like, hey, man, you know, we're grading C.J. Stroud hard. We can't let Kyle McCord off the hook just because he never played a college football game before. 13 of 18 for 319. Crazy padded stats, but stats are stats. Two touchdowns, one interception. We all gave him in the C range in the postgame video. We don't want to repeat that, but I think we can get right to the point. Nathan, did Kyle McCord, and then Jack Miller played like the last quarter and a half. Did Kyle McCord show you anything on Saturday night that you believe will lead Ryan Day to give him greater consideration as Ohio State's quarterback in the weeks to come? Not in the immediate term. No, I don't think so. I think what you saw tonight was what they see from him a lot in practice. I think they've always known that there's some zip on that arm, but they also know he's a true freshman who is still like learning and, and gleaning the awareness of a football at this level. And I, as much as we have, um, nitpicked CJ Stroud's performance over the first three weeks, I think I was still seeing 
I don't think Kamakord's performance tonight surpassed that for sure. So I, I think you still, if you were to compare this to what we saw from CJ Stroud the first three weeks, I do think there is some separation there. I think you see where that separation is. Now, does Kamakord now, based off of this, start to do more things behind the scenes? Does this give him a new baseline to build off of? I think that's possible. But I thought tonight reinforced that. Uh, well, common court I thought was fine and did what a quarterback in this offense is supposed to do, which is get the ball to playmakers in space and let them do their thing. I still think that CJ Stroud is the best quarterback on this team right now. So, but it's, is that the question though? Who's the best quarterback on this team right now? Or is it Ryan day trying to figure out who's the best quarterback on this team by the Indiana Penn state, Michigan, big 10 championship. That's, are those the same question or not? I think that there is ground that would need to be made up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just feel like I don't know how to answer that completely. I mean, it's it. Some of it is like what you see in your front of your face in the moment. Um, so, the, so the question is this: Do, do you want to see if you're Ryan Day? Do you want to see more Kyle McCord in games? Or are you like that? Ah, I've seen enough. CJ's the guy if he's healthy, and that's it. CJ Stroud's the starter if he's healthy, and that's it. It was good to see that from Kyle and Jack, but it's CJ. Is that where you would be if you were Ryan Day? Again, are you asking me for Rutgers? Or are you asking me for a game six weeks from now where a lot of variables could change? But well, how, So if you think CJ is the guy, how is Kyle McCord going to get in? Unless CJ is, well, this is, that was a conversation, like unless CJ comes out and is not looking good, but you don't want it well, like, no, right? I, like I've in, always advocated for having the second guy play more. I advocated for that months ago, but that's okay, not the but way we're Ryan not talking Day seems about. We're not talking about what you said months ago. But, but that's Ryan not what the Day, way. You're asking me what Ryan Day thinks, and Ryan Day doesn't apparently think like that. So, but you don't. Th- so here's the thing, and we have to get Stephen here. Ryan Day could have said in the post game news conference Saturday night because he was kind of asked some questions about this, like what are you going to do, and he could have said, "Listen, mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud is the starter. As soon as C.J. is healthy, he's the starter," and he didn't say that. And he could have, and he didn't. So I felt like he kept the door cracked open on, well, we're going to see, well, we're going to see. It was good to get those guys out there. Well, we're going to see. Steven, do you agree with that, or am I making too much of something? Or do you think it's cracked? Buckeye Talk, do you think it's cracked? I agree with the notion that he could have come out and just said that C.J. Stroud is a starter, he's just not healthy, and just gave up an opportunity to help Kyle McCord grow. I agree. He could have said that. I also understand that he was never going to say that. And that should have, the way Why? he talks about nothing about how he's ever talked about the situation suggests he would ever say anything remotely close to that, especially right after that. a game. What do you mean? You, you don't think that he would say the starting quarterback who was the starting back quarterback before is still the starting quarterback when he's healthy. I don't think he would say that right after a game. I think he would have said exactly what he said today. That said, I got to look at the film a little bit more, but I was happy with what I was see today. I, I won't be shocked if he comes out and says something similar to something like that on Tuesday after he's had the chance to look at the film. I am just not shocked that right after the game, he wouldn't come out and say that. Cause he always, cause basically his answer about the quarterbacks after the game is let me see the film. Right. That, that's why, that's what I'm saying. That. Okay. It's, it's, it's never, he's never going to give that type of a statement right after a game because in his mind, probably is no value in him doing that right after the game. Quite frankly, well, it's just it's it, there. It's it's probably. I'm speaking like him. It's probably easier to just go. Let me look at the film, and then I can go look at the film and have a better answer for you on Tuesday. But if you, but if your starting quarterback is the starting quarterback when he's healthy, why do you have to look at the film and what the backup does? 
He's not the starter. You know what it would have done? Shut this conversation down. He could have said, I want to shut Doug up. That I've had coaches. I mean, I haven't had no, a I don't. coach say shut Doug up. But I mean, like, that's not a bad motivation. That's quiet three days. And this CJ's the guy. Uh, but it wouldn't really shut this conversation down. We would have come in and said, like, should Ryan Day have said that? Should he be saying CJ Stroud is, you know, what I mean? like we would just phrase the question differently. We'd still be talking about the quarterbacks mm-hmm. for a good chunk of this podcast. So, but so I guess I would disagree then with, I think I saw enough of Kyle to want to see more of Kyle. And he clearly was nervous at the start. He certainly made a terrible throw on the pick, just a terrible sidestep a sack. I mean, it's like practically what Steven, you would have drawn up of like, this is what it looks like when Kyle McCord goes wrong. He threw (laughs) it sidearm. He sailed it over his receiver. Everything about it was, man, you were like, you're like, it's like, yo, like he he did exactly. Yeah. I saw today why he didn't win the job, but at the same time, I saw if he does eventually take this job from CJ, I saw that part as well. And I think that's probably a fair way to put it right now because I think and I was just listening as I was waiting on us to get through this. I was kind of listening back to what Ryan Day said. And one of the things he didn't really talk about Kyle the same way that he talked about CJ after the Minnesota game. It wasn't, listen, this is his first start. I knew it would be a little while, a little bit. I told him you might go out here and throw four picks or four touchdowns. Who knows? It was very, this is my guy. This was more like, man, you were not calm at all. Like he, I wanted, he said, one of the, I think the game was moving fast for him, but he was moving at hyperspeed. And it was, I got to figure out where these guys, where these guys' eyes were on certain plays. It was a lot more critical with Kyle McCord and Jack to, a, he kind of threw Jack in there as well, but more Kyle McCord. It was a lot more critical while with CJ, it was kind of like, I need to protect him. And you know, my opinion on that. I know. I mean, like, That's why I, I'm like, bringing it up. <laughs> I mean, like, you, I, at some point, it's like every time a coach says something good about a player, I'm like, well, that player's not very good. Every time he rips a player, I'm like, he loves that guy. And at but some also, point, that's not that's not. True. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's, it's probably somewhere in the middle. But also he is. They're not idiots. They're well aware that everybody has been saying, I want to see Kyle McCord for two weeks now. So like when the, they, they do do that, when the world is hyping you up. They're going to calm you down on purpose. When the world is talking crazy about you, they're going to build you up on purpose. And so everybody's talking crazy about CJ. So, of course, he's going to come to his defense. Everybody's like, I want to see Kyle McCord. Well, now you've seen him. You see all the bad things he did that I'm going to talk about and not some of the anticipating throws that he made. I don't care about that. He threw a pick today. I think his best throws are better than CJ's best throws. Nathan, do you agree with that? Yep. Steven, you agree with it. Nathan, do you agree with it? Um, Probably. But is his worst throw worse than CJ's worst throw? And which are you willing to deal with that? Which is I mean, not a question we have to answer. It's a question Ryan Day has to answer. CJ's pick last week was terrible. And Kyle's pick it today was. was was terrible. So CJ's they pick throwing. in the first game was bad, too. Well, but at least I don't think it. No. He, he thought the it was C- a bad read. I never thought it was a bad read. Just yeah. behind Olave. That's, oh, I, that's never, a I didn't think it was a bad read, but it was a bad throw. It yeah, was bad, bad throw, throw. But when I'm saying bad, bad throw, I mean all of it. The throw, the decision to throw that ball, all of that entails. Because being inaccurate, listen, I mean, they're young. That's going to happen. It's one thing to do that. It's another thing to make a bad decision. Because that's, yeah, that's what Ryan Day cares do about. That. Right. Yeah. If, 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 it's a, if it's a good decision, bad throw, Ryan Day can live with it. If it's a if it's a bad decision, bad throw, Ryan Day wants to uh-huh. cut your arm off. So 
I think, but, and, and this all goes back to the, the same thing again. And Steven, you said this in a video after the game, it's like if McCord's ceiling is, is potentially higher, but his basement is also lower at the moment, they're trying to raise CJ's ceiling and maybe raise McCord's basement. But what beats Bama? So like, to, yeah. to me, at some point, it's like, I mean, how can you not go? They have four or five. I mean, whatever. They have four quarterbacks in the room. How can you not go with ceiling? How, how can your decision be based on basement? It's like you've got to find the guy who has the highest ceiling, and you have to have you have to make him get to that ceiling more consistently. But I just think you've got to go with the ceiling guy. I thought there were just, I mean, and again, it was a reminder. So this is true, Nathan, right? If you were, and listen, it's, it's the middle of the night. We haven't had time to go through a bunch of texts after the game. My, I just got home. My daughter was out once it's some zombie thing. Again, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to go to a zombie thing. Went to a zombie thing. And then she came to her friend's house afterward. And then at a friend's house, the, the friend's cat bit her hand. So she survives the zombie. She gets bitten by a cat. So I was trying to tell her to put cream on her bite, cat bite. I don't know what to do with her cat bite. So I didn't read the texts. Nathan, there were a lot of people on our tech subscriber list, at least 614-350-3315. And I did get a, I get a, did get a DM on Twitter from somebody during the game who was like, I need to sign up for the text right now, like in the middle of the game. And I was like, that's what it's all about. 614-350-3315. I think there are people who wanted to see Kyle McCord. I don't think if you were the give me Kyle McCord bandwagon, if you were driving that bandwagon, Nathan, I don't think you looked at tonight and were like, boom, that's it. Make the switch, right? I mean, which it's it was always going to be Akron, but it wasn't that. It wasn't like slam dunk. He picked the wrong guy. It's K-Mac time. It wasn't that. It's just how you f- view the flashes of good, the flashes of bad, the other stuff in between, I think a lot of it does depend on your viewpoint. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely, and it was interesting how polarizing C.J. Stroud had kind of been in those first three games. You had the people who were really defending him and then the people who were ready to write him off already, I think, and just made the assumption that the next thing you see was going to be better. And I, I don't think we necessarily saw that tonight. I agree with what you're saying about like the, the long-term upside of Kyle Accord. I think it's like everything else with this team. It's like, You know, Ryan Day said earlier this week that comment about we know we're going to be really good really soon. We know we're going to be really good soon. It's just a matter of how soon. And I think that applies to so many different aspects of this team, and it probably applies to Common Core too. And in his estimation, it's interesting you bring up that Bama thing because I understand 100% what you're saying as far as like because Bama's going to score, who gives you the best chance to keep up from a scoring standpoint, I also know that Bama is going to bring some grown men at you on defense and which guy is the guy who's going to make the best decisions there. That may not be the guy who has the, the best arm talent, whatever. So it's, it's a lot of these, I think are tough uh, decisions that Ryan day has got to make. And it tonight was like another data point that you get to analyze comic cord on that you didn't have before. And that's maybe the thing that I think comes out of this, that helps Ohio state the most. It, it, first of all, you get the rest CJ Stroud a week. And if he is your guy, his arm is better going forward, but now you get a new data point for common McCord, And more importantly, he gets a new data point for himself. And the next time you go in, you saw it by the, by, I thought like the third series, like once they actually led a touchdown series, no matter how they scored that touchdown, you, you saw just how much calmer he was and how much weight was kind of taken off his shoulders. And then I felt like he got to just sort of be the guy he is from that point. 
He's, he was three of six in the first quarter. He was 10 of 12 the rest of the game. And one of those misses was the pick. It which was 10 was of 11 before the pick. 10 of 11 before the pick. pick. Pick was not great. And again, some stat padding, but JT Barrett padded the stats too with jet sweeps that they count as passes that are one-inch passes. So we're not going to get totally caught up in the stats. He was he was really, really nervous. He threw a bubble screen. It's like, I've been like, oh, great. Oh, CJ Stroud, bubble screen, big deal. <laughs> Kyle McCord's first bubble screen. <laughs> yeah. He missed the receiver like four yards and threw it yeah. backwards and threw it straight out of bounds for a loss of six. So it was like, hey, maybe I've got to get better, more credit on the bubble screens here. It's a little harder uh, They maybe than we realized. So the other thing, so I, I think he, even the point that we've made about Ryan Day's answer on everything is let me watch the film. I think he could have said, hey, you know what? I mean, you don't a starting quarterback. You're not going to lose your job based on an injury. CJ, when CJ's healthy, he's all started. And we'll keep working in the other quarterbacks. I still think he could have said that. However, if you're not 100% sure if CJ Stroud isn't going to play against Rutgers, like if, you, if, you're, if you're still wondering to come out and be like, hey, Kyle McCord played. He's not the starter. And then have to and then have to start him again because CJ's not ready. I think that could have been part of the reason for the hedge that there's no reason to be definitive if CJ's shoulder isn't completely rested yet. And Ryan Day basically was like, well, and by the way, Ryan Day made it sound like Ryan Day said we made the decision Sunday last week, right? That he wasn't going to play. And then he came in on Tuesday. He's like, well, we'll see. And it's like, oh, you decided on Sunday. Slow played it Tuesday. And then announced it on Thursday. But you knew all week the guy didn't throw football all week. So the plan now is for C.J. Stroud to practice on Sunday. But he's not going to make – He's. I think he's slow playing it because of that. And then if to your point, Stephen, A, he's got to watch the film. B, we have to see what C.J. Stroud looks like in practice. And then if both those things match up, then maybe on Tuesday he'll say, C.J. is going to play, he's going to start against Rutgers. But I guess you don't want to ju- jump out in front of that and be like, hey, Kyle, remember how I said you're only starting because the other guy's hurt? Well, you're doing that again. And and why, like, maybe puncture a little bit of Kyle McCord's confidence? Keep guys engaged. Back to, I mean, you guys kind of got jumped on me about it, but there is a method of just keeping guys engaged in the room. And I, fine, I'll throw out the Jack Miller. Kyle McCord, yeah, you have I've to I jumped keep on you because you said he wasn't going to play the backup yeah, quarterbacks yeah. so he could protect the feelings of the third guy. I, I didn't say that. It, there's okay, yeah, room. Is not, the point is, yeah. I, I, the point is, Kyle McCord has to stay engaged. That's the most important thing. Regardless of whatever Jack Miller is doing, Ryan Day has to keep Kyle McCord engaged the rest of the season. Whatever that, however that plays itself out, plays itself out. We'll find that out. But he's got to keep him engaged. And we will keep. I mean, I think we we have to keep evaluating them on the same scale because they're trying to do the same thing, which is play quarterback for an Ohio State team that still has aims of winning the Big Ten championship and making college football playoffs. So you have to evaluate them on that. But I also do think we understand that as little as experience as CJ had, Kyle McCord does have less. He's been around less. He's gone through this fewer times. So it it could be that he will make more of a jump the next time he gets to do something, because he was probably more nervous than CJ was. Not that CJ wasn't nervous, yeah. and CJ was nervous at Minnesota. We saw it. And then he did play much better in the second half, and I love the way I explained it. And I think he really 
did a great job locking in in the second half in Minnesota. And I do think he deserves a ton of credit for that. And I think we were fair with CJ and giving him a ton of credit for doing that at Minnesota. So we're not going to act like he's a veteran, but I would take it. I would take the youth into even more account, Nathan, with McCourt based on this, based on a backwards pass. And then he like had that third down throw was like, here we go. And he ripped it like five feet over his receiver's head. Cause he's jacked up. Yeah. I mean, to some extent, the same way that we always talked about Justin Fields as a first year starter as if he hadn't played like many, many, many snaps in the sec as a true freshman. Um, we, you know, to a lesser extent, give CJ Stroud some, had to help him a little bit to get into games last year. I mean, they, they asked to become in the middle of a playoff game. I know he was just coming in to hand off and stuff, but still, I feel like that experience gives you something. It doesn't give you everything. You still have to get into path games and throw real passes against defenses, but I think it just helps a little bit. So that is a, again, it kind of would go buzz to the answer I was trying to give at the beginning. I, I think this was an important step for Com Accord. And now the question is what happens next? Like, what does he show in practice this week, regardless of who's healthy? What does he show in practice in the coming week that is maybe bolstered by having had this experience? And now he gets to go into every meeting that they have with the new perspective on what this is to run this offense. I also thought this is the best game Ryan Day's called all season. And I don't care about the score and the production. That, it's accurate. What I cared about is he adjusted immediately. It didn't take till halftime to, like – he. The first, when I say he adjusted, just like the type of play calls they were calling, they weren't having to push the ball downfield like they were on that first drive, trying to run the Justin Fields offense with a quarterback who was clearly nervous. He started running a lot more short stuff and just getting the ball out of his hands quickly just to get completions. And even if it's a small fracture of why he was better going forward because he got more comfortable, that type of stuff matters. He came out trying to swing from the get-go, and Kyle McCourt wasn't ready to do that in his first series. But like a third-grade football coach would have done that in the first series the quarterback he, threw it backwards on the second did, series we ran a jet sweep he didn't do it the first three weeks he just kept slugging away with cj down the field that, that is this true. is the, never they never resorted to the things they did with common court tonight with cj stroud even when he was kind of iffy against minnesota akron can we i mean i want to make sure we understand akron had no chance tonight so like yeah, like right. uh, we have to be careful because i think i think ryan day would maybe say well you know if you try to get one dimensional against like a decent defense they're gonna do this and they're gonna attack you and we have to keep them honest or whatever and it's like akron's like well you just do whatever you want so and no. by the way like he came out and had the quarterback throw it backwards why did he just give it to Travion henderson six times to start yeah, the game that, that was weird. that, was, that was weird too 12 yard gain on the first carry and then yeah. nothing for the rest of that possession to- I'm not saying he got one dimensional because he eventually did start throwing the ball down the field again, like the touchdown pass to uh, Jackson Smith and Jigman and whatnot. I'm just saying the very next series, he gave him some easy stuff to get into a rhythm before he just started trying to launch it downfield with him again. While with CJ, it's been just kind of you. Okay, we see they those initial like RPOs. Five bubble screens a game with CJ. The first, the first series of the game, they run some RPOs where it's bubble screen RPOs. And then after that, it's everything is downfield from that point forward. They did not run a lot of stuff over the middle today, mm-hmm. which is like sometimes that's where like that's where CJ throws pick against Minnesota. That's yeah. sometimes where it feels like, hey, there's some stuff in the middle of the field that maybe he's not seeing. They did try that rollout with him that they run with CJ a lot. And that was on the third down when Kyle threw it over the receiver's head. I don't know. I'm just not giving too much. I mean, like, would anybody, what do you get it? 
after that first series, what are we going to do? Come out and be like, you know what? Let's, I don't know, another 35 yarder down the field. See if Kyle McCord will throw it in stands. That guy was, that guy was fired up, man. But point taken though. I, I know what you guys are saying that there have been times where, well, but also last week they just gave it to Trevor Henderson like a bunch of times and he ran for 100 yards. Uh, I want to talk about this real quick. Noah Ruggles, 550 yards of kickoffs. Why is that even in the stat sheet? Who tracks how far the ball travels on a kickoff? You know that Noah Ruggles, he averaged 61.1 yards per kickoff. What does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, why do they make someone keep track of that? Does that go to that kick, go to the two or the three? I don't want to affect Noah Ruggles' kickoff average. What a weird thing to have on a stat sheet. I could see if you did like the return average, like on your kickoffs, how much does somebody return it for? That yeah, makes more net. sense, but not the actual. <laughs> I guess, that's yeah, that's weird. Net, I guess. I thought the weird. Huh? Who cares? What's the net? Um, do you guys know who led the defense and tackles, by the way, without looking? Um, I, um, yeah, I do. Just because I just happen to have it up on the screen. One of them is like. Interesting because he's progressing. The other one kind of threw me off guard. The second guy on the list. Well, there's one guy at six who led by himself. Yeah, Talik. He's at six. And then, like, the, I, I was just very shocked to see Steel Chambers was second to tackles. But it is what it is. All right. We'll take a quick break and come back and talk more about that defense next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan Steven, post game from Ohio State. Akron, nine, nine, nine sacks. Let's see. Three for Haskell Garrett, two for Tyleek Williams, one for Jack Sawyer, one for Antoine Jackson, one for Jaron Cage, one for Ty Hamilton. Nathan, how would you, what should we take away? Not what they did, but what, what they did, what did it tell us about the Ohio State defensive line, a group that has not been getting a lot of pressure this year? Well, and it didn't happen immediately. I, I thought Akron came out tonight and was the one that was still setting the tone a little bit. I thought this defense still seemed a little bit back on its heels. Those first couple of possessions and Akron drives down with a, a somewhat short field and gets a touchdown and it's down seven to nothing to Akron. And you're thinking like, geez, like, what are we doing? here? <laughs> Is this really going to perpetuate and go on for another week? But then I thought you saw and, and um, Antoine Jackson described it well after the game, I thought was this was. I, some of it was uh, scheme and game plan, but some of it was what Ryan Day was also talking about, which is just you, you felt like a different, a more aggressive attitude out there. And maybe some of that was just them feeling that they had this opponent overmatched and uh, maybe some, maybe some. No, Akron but I mean, it's just like up 12 sacks this year, I, but, so. but just from like a, a confidence standpoint, like maybe guys are beating off of that. I don't know. But some of it was, like, you know, Anto Jackson described it like they had a mobile quarterback. So they wanted to just kind of box him in, bottle him in. I thought there was a sack early in the game where uh, Jerron Cage was credited for the sack, but it's really Jack Sawyer coming around the edge and getting the penetration that forced him back in and cages right there to get him. Like you just saw it kind of coming from all directions. It was the first time you really, I thought, saw this defensive front sort of asserting itself and, and setting the tone of the game and like changing the game. Like once they started doing that, then it was, it all just kind of fell on top of Akron from there. So I think that's an encouraging sign. I think it's a very different thing to get in on a plane, take it to New Jersey and do it again against even Rutgers next week. Like that's it there. You're at a place with the Ohio state defense where you, you can't believe it until you've seen it twice. I don't think. So then why does it matter at all? 
my, my instinct is to not care what they did tonight because the, the only thing would be, and it is what you just said, Nathan, and Ryan Day said it before, that if it gave them confidence, that if it really took getting nine sacks against a completely overmatched Akron offensive line, and now they have, now they have confidence, now they're like, oh, well, now if we can do that to Akron, now we can do it. It's like, why didn't you do it to Oregon well, then? So if that's it, well, okay. I just can't take any – I don't think they're better. I don't think like this solved anything because there's, there's, it's so overmatched. There's another factor at play though. No Tyreek Smith, no Javante Jean-Baptiste, no Teron Vincent. So they were missing three guys who started last week. I, that's a factor here too. And it's also the people that you're finally seeing. I mean, take Williams getting two more sacks, Jack Sawyer getting a sack. Like you're starting so to see. Are the people that they missed better than the people that played then? No, that's the point. That's whose stats I care about. I care about Talik's stats. I care about Jack's stats. I care about JT's stats. I care about Mike Hall's stats, even with the with the penalties. I care about that because they got snaps in a game in extended periods of time and got experience. Those guys are better than the guys who were not playing, quite frankly. So I care about the experience they, they got and they did something with it more than Haskell Garrett getting three sacks against Akron. Haskell Garrett should be wrecking the line of scrimmage. He's a preseason All-American. He's supposed to be doing that. These young guys who are just trying to get some reps and have bright futures, this mattered for them. It doesn't matter for Haskell. I'm not, I'm not ready to go so far to say like Jack Sawyer and JTT are both better better football players than Tyreek Smith right now. Why? What, what have those other guys done to – to prove otherwise it's more complicated there's more nuance uh, to it than just getting a pass rush no i know i know but do you notice tyree smith when he, i, I don't want to make this like, do you notice those other guys when they're on the field do you do you notice them at all i think Even there, in, there have been moments in games previously where tyreek williams was making more plays than anybody else on the interior other than haskell garrett and there have been times when jtt to me has looked like the best defensive end on the team the two so, biggest plays of the Tulsa game on defensive line were made by two true freshmen, and that was Tyreek Williams and it was JT Tumalau last week. Tumalau, sorry. Oregon got the ball out of Anthony Brown's hands, mm-hmm. right? They had a plan, and then they had a plan when Anthony Brown on some called runs would do some stuff. Uh, DJ Irons held the ball. Like, he was trying to make some things happen, and – I'm not sure there was a moment. Was there a snap, Nathan, where it was like they snapped at the quarterback and they got out of his hands? That guy, and like the pocket was collapsing on him sometimes, but even when the the pocket was collapsing on him, I felt like, man, there's been a lot of games where the ball's out by now. Like I I thought that, I thought that a lot, actually, that like here comes the rush and uh, the Tulsa guy would have gotten rid of it by now. So that's part of it. And that's just the deal that teams try to get, rid of the ball quickly and that Akron didn't really seem to have that plan. He was trying to hold it, practically draw the rush and then escape half the time. And he made a couple plays doing that to his credit. Listen, I, I thought that guy fought his butt off. I'm not like mm-hmm. criticizing GJ irons. I just think like, like the best chance for them to kind of do some stuff was almost, well, let's see if he can break the pocket and then maybe try to make a throw on the run or, or run himself. So I thought they invited that to some degree. I still don't know how many times I got to go back and look at the film. I saw I'm going to say post game podcast. just going to be, I got to watch the film. We'll see you later on Buckeye talk. How many times were guys just absolutely winning a one-on-one bang 
off the snap. I, I don't know. Cause it still felt like there were times when the defensive linemen for Ohio state were pushing back the offensive linemen, trying to go through them. And then the pocket would start to collapse. And then all of a sudden it gets a little haywire. And now people are chasing him down. But to me, it wasn't quite, you know, Chase Young winning with his hands and bending the edge and he's in the backfield in half a second. I, I don't know. That's the, that's the feeling I got, which is why I'm not sitting here saying like, oh man, that felt like a big, huge giant step for the defensive line. I don't know, Nathan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I, I, I guess I looked at it more. I, I saw, I think there were some plays early on where Akron got the ball out fast. Um, I, I think there were, but I, what I saw more as the game went on and some of this is, that is somewhat of a factor here too, where you just had a, a team that was just physically going to impose itself on a, on a lesser opponent. And that was going to happen more as the game rolled on, you would assume. But I, 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 I don't necessarily consider it like a slight or a, like when a, when a defensive tackle is like shoving the centers and guards, like back into the quarterback's lap, I think that counts for something. I think it was also more of like, a, a, this has to come sometimes as a tandem approach, but I totally see what you're seeing too in that other than there was the one play where um, was it Zach Harrison had kind of lined up almost like a stand-up end mm-hmm. and then just nobody blocked him. So like oh, there yeah. were, there were a couple of cases like that. Where block that came in. Right. So, but he you're win. right. He didn't win a one-on-one battle. He won a one-on-zero uh, uh, battle. To, I see to be what fair. you're saying, but this team may just not have that, those guys. Well, then if they don't have those guys, then I'm still concerned about their pass rush. Fair enough. But at least this is the first time we've seen the other thing happen too. And if you can translate this in some way to the next game, I, I, that's all I'm saying. It's like, I, this is, I've, I've said it before, like this Ohio State team is in a place where it's got to have success and then re- replicate it. And it's, that sounds so basic, but like they've got to find a way to make this dynamic repeat itself. I, I, I think, Doug, your point is the fact when you're not able to just push guys around because you're not just more talented than them, did you see much of that? Offhand, without rewatching it, Zach had a couple, um, but every time he would do it, like the, they throw a flag, and so he had to stop before he could really get into a guy. Jack works over some guy. Jack causes a lot of holding calls that don't actually get called. That's one thing I've noticed over the last couple of weeks. I think JT had one. Haskell's first sack was him just, like, dominating the guy with his hands. Um, but other than that, it was just, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, and I'm more talented than you. I'm just going to bully you which is what you expect from interior guys because that's what you have to do. But from the exterior guys, you would expect a little bit more, you know, skill level to it. Feels like they are settling into some things defensively. Cam Martinez is now the cover safety. He started there. Marcus Williamson played behind him. Lathan Ransom did not play there. Lathan Ransom played deep safety, backing up Bryson Shaw. Bryson Shaw starts there. Lathan Ransom comes in. And the bullet tonight just looked like the other safety. They just were playing a two-safety look most of the time. That bullet is not. Now, that's with four wide a lot, right, that you're going to adjust the positioning of that second safety based on personnel. But that was not hybrid. There was no, I mean, it's like he's just he's just a safety. So that's that's like their two safety look, and it's Ronnie Hickman. Ronnie Hickman's playing well, and Ron, Ryan Day talked about that. Um, Ronnie Hickman also had an interception return for a touchdown because like an Akron guy got hit in the chest with the ball, like bobbled it three times, and then handed it to Ronnie Hickman. He was like, "Cool," and then he ran it in for a touchdown. That's but not a criticism. Was like, he was like mid tackle, and then I think realized, "Wait a second, the ball's in my 
hand. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so, going to stop tackling you and just run the other way. It's not a criticism of Ronnie Hickman, but it's not like he read the play and dove in front of, you know, just the ball like Denzel Burke did last week when they didn't get a pick. So, yeah. um, but I think we're seeing, and then Cam Brown didn't play out on the injury list. Seven banks starts in his place and still like does not had a weird penalty early on. It just does not seem to have it yet. But if we get to a place that, you know, we talked about this a lot last week. As soon as Cam Martinez looked good, we were like, move Lathan Ransom back, and they did. So if that's what we're getting to, where we get to a world where it's Denzel Burke on one side at corner, Cam Brown backed up by Seven Banks on the other side, Cam Martinez backed up by Marcus Williamson in the slot, Lathan Ransom and Ronnie Hickman deep, and Ronnie Hickman doing whatever he's going to do. That feels like it's getting there, guys. It feels like it's approaching something better than what we saw given the Josh Proctor injury. Like it feels like that would be them piecing it together. A, like the best they can do right now and B in a way that like, ah, I that that could be okay. That could be a pretty decent back back of your defense, I think. It's like why when they were doing all this talk in the preseason about Oh, our secondary depth is so much better. And I was kind of like, all right, well, but what about the front line? But now you can start to see the domino effect because like every time a Cam Martinez steps up and shows he could potentially start, that all of a sudden gives you more options somewhere else. I mean, as much as they may have wanted to see if Lathan Ransom could be a deep safety, if you feel like it's going to leave a hole at cover safety, you can't do that as much. But then when Cam mm-hmm. Martinez finally gets on the field and finally does what he is and now has like some solid footing, now that gives you the freedom to experiment a little bit more. So it's just a matter of like how many more guys can step up and like and give that confidence. I think you're starting to see that a little bit at linebacker probably. Like Cody Simon with a, a pick tonight. It was, I mean, it was throwing pretty much right to him, but like not everybody catches that pass and goes the other way and he did it. And it, it, you're starting to see just it's it's coming in like bits and pieces as far as like this defense maybe like fusing together that front line of the defense maybe fusing together. It's just a matter of does it happen quickly enough before the next potential stumble? I think linebacker is just like you got to acknowledge who your best guys are and just play them and stop trying to play the whole world and play everybody in a role that's best for them. And then yeah, Cam Martinez is like that's like a big relief to losing Josh Proctor because now you you can like I mean that's you know you don't want to lose a guy you would rather just have Josh Proctor as well but if you're gonna lose Josh Proctor this is the best way to lose him if somebody else steps up which allows another guy who for all intents and purposes is the best but might be the best man at two spots to just go play his best position I also I think this is fair to apply this Ken Martinez didn't really play Early, right? No. And then Josh Proctor got hurt, and they're like, well, yeah. and then Tulsa had four wides all the time. Like, oh, I guess gotta put Cam Mar-. And now it's like, oh, Cam Martinez, he's like the fourth best player on the defense. That affects my view of how they handle stuff, which is why when mm-hmm. it's like, well, a guy won a job in August, I'm like, yeah, but who's better now? So they also didn't play Travion Henderson against Minnesota very much. It's like, well, you know, this is like, yeah, but who's better? Now, and I'm not saying I understand it, but a season evolves. And the idea, like, you know who might have helped him against Oregon? Cam Martinez. It's like, well, he's a high school quarterback. He's not ready yet. It's like, did you see the guy play? 
That guy's ready now. And it took something. So that's why I don't believe anything they did. I'm just kidding. No, they're the football coaches. I get it. But it's like, it's just not, there's just a couple examples with this team, right? Where again, there are guys who were playing. We're only four weeks in. And I feel like this team's gone through like three evolutions already. What the guys who were playing now, they don't, there are guys who weren't playing now they do. And it's like, okay, well then I'm not, I'm going to try to be open-minded about all your decisions because you've already changed your mind in some very good ways that have helped the team. I don't know what the last decision they made that they just made it. It wasn't brought on by an outside factor they couldn't control. Because even Travion Henderson starting, part of that, the start, not him playing, the start is because Ryan Williams was sick and didn't practice all week. So now Travion Henderson starts. He would have played anyway, so I'm not taking that away. But him starting is because Mayan Williams got sick and couldn't practice. So even that was like kind of forced upon you to start him earlier than maybe you were going to. And so now Cam Martinez situation, my first game here, it's the Brendan White situation, only getting into the game because Jordan Fuller gets kicked out because of a targeting call. I don't know what the last decision this Ohio State coaching staff has made, at least since I've been covering the beat, that they just made. Based off they evaluate the tape and realize this guy is better than this guy. Let's play him instead of continuing to put this guy on the field. There's probably one, but I know I'm, not, I'm more. At, yeah, point I'm just I'm it. asking. It's it's not really a hyperbole. I'm just asking. Yeah. And if somebody knows and wants to text me who it is, by all means, please inform me because I can't think of it right now. But it's but, also two o'clock in the morning. But the point that I mean, and this happens, man. This is and it bothers me. I, like I don't when when coaches sort of like make decisions that they're forced into and it's like well i thought you were getting paid why didn't you do this before right hugh jackson like wouldn't play baker mayfield and it was like tyrod taylor got hurt and it's like oh, i guess i got to play baker mayfield and he was like well i figured something was happening we'd have to play him and i was like he's the number one pick you're the head coach why are you leaving it up to when tyrod taylor's body falls apart make a decision which is why like the idea of like well cj stroud won the job in august again kyle mccord did not come out and Cam Martinez this game. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want to see maybe if he can Cam Martinez it a little more later on. I don't think he, I don't think he un-Cam Martinez. You know, he just didn't quite get all the way to Cam. Cam's a good player, man. Go ahead, Nathan. I thought you were leaning and sometimes you'd lean. <laughs> Are I you just to, like agreeing with us? Do you I agree try, with everything we've said so far? <laughs> I like Baird's face got 18% bigger. He's leaning into the zoom. He's got something to say. Um, I, I guess I, I would push back a little bit at the idea that like my assumption isn't that because they made the decision with CJ Stroud in mid August, that they're just sticking with it because of that. Like, I, and I don't necessarily believe that at really any position. But I will, I do think that, like, I can think of some examples, Stephen, of, like, times that they made other decisions, like, um, like who they started a linebacker this year. Like, Tommy Eichenberg was a starting linebacker for the season opener this year, and that didn't work as well. Mm-hmm. Like, and now it's Cody but, Simon. Like, yep. and, but, and, but that Fair was point. another decision that was made on, well, but actually, it was, it's almost still a point in your favor, but then they do eventually make the right decision. Like just mm-hmm. because Tommy Eckenberg started the season opener. So there, it is still fluid at, at some places. I, I, I think we probably just made some assumptions that this team was more settled or would be more settled to start the year than it turned out to be. And it's, it's, it, when it's, when it's unsettled, I think that's uncomfortable to people, but you're like I said before, you're kind of starting to see it fuse together a little bit. Yeah. 
Tawan Jones, offensive line. I mean, that was in camp, yeah. but that was still something they, they adjusted from where everybody thought they would be in the spring. And it seems like that has worked. We haven't talked about Dewan Jones very much. Just every now and then he just oh, takes man. his safety and swings him over his head like a, he's a ragdoll. He's so big, man. But that's <laughs> watching him and Paris Johnson run block in tandem is by far the scariest thing I've seen. It's it's not quite um Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis Highway yet. But they're like um, bulldozers. I think yeah. they could have their own bulldozing company. Yeah, that'd There's be a good. A little bit more sophistication to the Wyatt Davis, Josh Myers reality. Yeah. Here, it's almost just more like Violence. we're just we're just skyscrapers falling on top of you. Yep. They could do that. They should get they should get like an excavating company. They should John, Johnson and Jones Pavers, whatever. Like we'll yeah. Um, We'll just do that for a whole pod. We'll just make up NIL, NIL deals. Honestly, if this if this thing doesn't work out, I think we should just like start an NIL agency because we come up with a lot of good ideas on Buckeye Talk. Yeah. If this thing doesn't work out, <laughs> Buckeye Talk. <laughs> uh, all right. We got to talk about the guy who uh, like got in a fight and effed his team in the middle of a game, which I never saw before. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. All right, I don't I don't even know I don't even know what to make of it. And I think most people listening to this by now are not going to be like, "Oh, a player was what?" I mean, I think you figured it out. Kayvon Pope had an incident on the sideline. He was upset. He was um sort of exchanging words with some people and was held back by some people and was sort of taken in the locker room and then he wrote on his Twitter account it appeared FUCC Ohio State and then he said, good luck to my teammates. And that appeared on his Twitter account in the middle of the game of football that in which his team was playing and in which he had been playing, which was a pretty surprising thing. For people who are not totally aware of what we're talking about, Stephen, I think you saw more of it than Nathan and yeah. I did. What, what was your description be? So – for the background of it first, how, how we got to this point, Kayvon Pope has basically been a situational linebacker in these passing situations. He's like the Sam linebacker out there. We saw it at its peak against Oregon when he had a pass breakup. And so sometimes you'll see those packages when he goes on the field. Initially, it looked like Ohio State had called for that package. So ideally, he goes running on the field. But things change. And so there's times in the game where our guys are shifting in and out as they're trying to you know match personnel or whatnot. So Ohio State's trying to match personnel. So they send Taraja Mitchell out there, and he's waving Kayvon Pope to come off the field. Kayvon Pope hasn't played much this year. And as a senior linebacker who's been blocked and it seems like he's getting passed now, he's probably a little frustrated by that. So now that he's got an opportunity to go on his game what in what seems like it's his first snaps of the game, he's been taken out. He's probably a little frustrated and he's going to let people know about it. That happens. This is sports. Guys get in arguments on the sideline or on the bench and whatnot. That happens all the time. He's getting into it. Ryan Day, it seems like waves in the golf to, to the to the locker room or whatnot. He gets into it some more. His, there are coaches trying to hold him back, players trying to hold him back. And eventually he ends up with CJ Barnett, who walks him to the locker room. And then he gets to the locker room and he turns a situation that quite frankly just happens in sports sometimes. And he made it public by tweeting what Doug told you we tweeted. So I mentioned this. There was a uh during Terrell Pryor's career here, he had some game where I think he and uh, quarterbacks coach Nick Siciliano looked like Terrell was having words with him on the sideline. And I remember 
we we asked about it after the game. I still I think Ari, I, my memory is Ari. If you if you're listening, I think Ari asked Jim Tressel about it, and Jim Tressel kind of went to like, well, that's just competition. Did you ever play football? And it was like a thing that a coach. It was like it was like ah, oh, like Tressel's going to the bag of tricks to like put the media on the defensive when it's like, listen, man, you had a coach who was sort of like giving it, or excuse me, a player who was given to a coach on the sideline, and the whole world could see it. Like it doesn't matter if we played football. This is not typical we're gonna ask about it but he sort of tamped it down right by doing that because nobody went to social media and took the next step so what you're saying steven it's not the first time tom brady does it right i mean like everybody this happens it does happen sometimes but it did take the next step today and nathan we don't know ryan day was asked about it several times after the game we don't know what it means for Kayvon Pope's future, but Dallas Gant, another fourth-year linebacker, already went in the, the portal, the transfer portal this week. It sure seems like that's where Kayvon Pope would be headed. I asked Ryan Day, like, is there any – is this a sign of anything else? And he said, no, it's an isolated incident. Like, what, what are we to make of this? Are we to make any more of it than – Kayvon Pope was frustrated and kind of popped off in a way that he probably regrets, and if he moves on, whatever, that's it? And even if we don't make something of it, is it, should we wonder, even if we're not making any definitive things, where are we? I think it's fair to wonder about the, I don't know. I, I mean, listen, like I understand why Dallas Gantt and Kayvon Pope would be frustrated. I don't know that they would have a right to like blame somebody about it, but I understand the frustration. You've been here for four years. You thought this was going to be the year where you stepped into big role. Didn't happen. And now you're barely playing. And uh, you have a, a a secondary role at best. So I understand the frustration, but modern game of college football has an, an avenue for you to explore. And it doesn't involve you throwing a temper tantrum on the sideline. Like Dallas Gantt uh, got out of town quietly or will <laughs> when he's done with his studies this semester, I assume. Um, and Kayvon Pope chose another route. Kayvon Pope last year had, had sent some tweets uh, during the season or one tweet in particular that kind of raised our suspicions a little bit. Like, was he unhappy about something? So it seems like this is just a personality that um, didn't, it didn't work. So I don't know. I, I think it's fair to ask because it's not just Grant Gant going in the portal. It's not just came on Pope tonight. It's what we saw from seven banks. Like there's something is happening there or what we haven't seen from seven banks, I guess more to the point, because he hasn't been playing. Like there's something at work there where there seems to be this collision between the, the former and what's coming like the holdover talent. And then the talent that this coaching staff has brought in. And those may all be just isolated. And it's hard to even throw Dallas Gantt in the mix. Cause those other two do seem to be like attitude related things. Whereas Dallas Gantt just kind of, did his job and then now is leaving but like there so maybe it is isolated maybe it is just they had two guys with personality problems that both popped up at the same time or within close to each other but it, it so whether it's a problem i don't know if i call it a problem but it's it's definitely like a dynamic that's in play, that is playing out right now on this defense and it's like there's it's like a, a chemistry experiment that's happening the old and the new and it's colliding and now it's, it's combustible. And right now it's combusting, but that doesn't mean that what is, what in comes forth from it won't be something positive in the long run. It just feels very combustible right now. Yeah. I don't think anybody, I know nobody here is implying that like 
there are locker room issues or that things are right. headed south or anything. We don't we don't know any of that to be true. We know this was an unusual public display by a player on the sideline. Players get frustrated all the time. They usually don't do this. They usually don't tweet that. So that's what we're going by. And the seven banks is one of the weirder things that I've seen. That, as we said, he dressed, he warmed up for both Minnesota and Oregon and then didn't play. And then he played as a, in a backup role last week. And then he started against Akron because Cam Brown's out and they needed someone to start. And then he kind of had like a weird penalty. But Ryan Day has said things like you need to practice better, whatever that sounds like, which is the doghouse stuff that you're talking about, Nathan, that it's not. Right. He's, he, Ryan Day let us in enough on that, that it's like it wasn't just like, oh, his ankle was sore. So that's why there was something else going on there. But also watching him play tonight, I kind of thought, boy, I think I know why he was in the doghouse a little bit. Like he he had kind of a, some sloppy coverage on an early on that touchdown drive that Akron had. Uh, he like as Steven alluded to before, what was the, I don't even remember what the penalty was now that he got that just seemed defensive cool. holding. Oh, yeah, it was a defensive. And, hold. It was defensive holding yeah. on a play where they got a sack. Now, yeah. that it was Zach Harrison's only sack. Worse. Yeah, that made it look worse. But the sack may not have happened without the defensive holding. But yes, it was. So he just, yeah, it was, it was a rough first half for him. I thought our first couple series anyway. So how much are coaches responsible for this? Cause as I said, and, and listen, we're doing these post game videos. And again, you guys are getting this Sunday morning. We do the post game videos Saturday night on our YouTube channel and try to go those up as quickly as we can. And they're almost like mini pods. So if you watch those, we share some, I mean, our thoughts don't change. We don't have to say one thing on video and say, Came on Pope. That was awesome. And then we go to the podcast and say, I don't know about that. And we have the same thoughts. I have not seen that a ton. And if Bill Davis was a linebacker coach, I'd be the lead of this podcast would be Bill Davis's incompetent because his linebacker went in the locker room and tweeted, you know, the, the naughty word, Ohio state. So I, I don't want to like, just only talk about the player and not talk about Al Washington and Ryan day, because like these, this is your team. These are your players and you are responsible. As I said, you know, when, when Garrett Wilson takes a two yard pass and runs 85 yards down the sideline and you know, Ryan day gets some credit for that, even though it's just Garrett Wilson being awesome. So then if, if a player is upset and frustrated, expresses that, I mean, it's not only about the player, Steven, what, I mean, that's, Al Washington's got to get his room figured out, right? I mean, I'm not saying that Al Washington needs to be done at Ohio State, but guys are going to transfer. Dallas Gans transferring. Kayvon Pope kind of went a little, you know, un- unorthodox on the sideline. Al Washington has to establish something in that room where we get it. You're frustrated, but, like, we're not going to do that. I do think that's fair to say that about Al Washington. And I do think it's, again, it all goes back to Ryan day. You have to establish something where like, this is not what we do. And they've had a couple guys who maybe are doing some things that Ohio state doesn't expect of their guys, but yet here they are. And it's happened. I'll speak on the Pope part because we really don't know what's going on with seven banks. I think a coach's job is to outside the development part. Provide an opportunity 
to do something for that player to do something, but then also be realistic with what his role is supposed to be on this team. And if a player is reacting like that and it's clear it's because of playing time, that means he's not really aware of what his role is supposed to be on this team. And that's, that's on Al Washington. Whether the player is good enough is on the player. That player has got to develop, but it's on Al Washington to make sure that everybody in his room under their role is and that they're happy in their, that role and they're willing to be a star in that role. And if they're not, then look, man, that they, they probably should look elsewhere. And that feels like that's what Bama does a lot of time. They let you know up front, listen, this is going to be a role. If you're happy with it, cool. If you're not, portal my friend and it doesn't seem like Al Washington has done a good job defining roles right now well hold on I, I think Kayvon Pope's role was pretty defined I think he knows I mean he goes in and plays in those packages and I don't know that I agree that the coach has to make you happy about it I think every player on the team who isn't playing or isn't starting is probably maybe they're content but I don't know about happy uh, that that might be understanding because everybody I'd wants say to understanding play more. then yeah not happy maybe just understanding what your role is in that moment he does understand what the role is and I think tonight though was a was a culmination of like hasn't played at all finally is about to literally go onto the field to finally play and then gets pulled off and I think there were probably frustrations before this that that contributed and just blew up a little bit I, I think there is some culpability in the coaching staff they, they they are the ones who there is communication that has to happen and maybe if you think a guy is going to be like that on the edge maybe then he isn't even supposed to be going in in those packages but you're trying to if he if he's the one who gives you the best chance to win you're trying to use him so whatever um you know I will say that sometimes coaches are put in a from at least what they have to say publicly, it can be a tough situation because we've been asking for three years now, Al Washington, who didn't recruit any of these linebackers, like, hey, when are these linebackers going to finally get their chance to play? And the whole time he's been outwardly to us saying, you know, hey, they're, you know, they're, they're important guys and, you know, they, they give them credit for sticking around and blah, blah, blah. But the whole time he's been recruiting guys better. He's been recruiting better guys. Like Kayvon Pope wasn't even a top 200 national recruit. Like that's, I've only been here for three years, but Ohio State fans like sneeze at that. Like those aren't the guys who are supposed to be on the field winning you national championships, right? Those guys are supposed to be like backup guys, depth chart guys. And um, that's just how this works here. That You guys have all explained that to me. The texters have all explained that to me. <laughs> and that that's, I, that's the expectation that I have now. So that's why I don't like get like super excited. Like when it's guys like that, like I, I don't like assume that they're going to have big roles here. Some of these defensive backs that were like ranked in the, 200s and 300s like i'm like okay whatever like but they're bringing in better guys like the, the whole time al washington has been you know publicly showing his support for those guys he's also been out recruiting cody simon right Kayvon pope according to pff played 24 snaps last week against tulsa which is kind of a lot for him he only played seven mm-hmm. according to pff against oregon but the, his, the, the Tulsa snaps make sense if you think about it in terms of the defenses, they, the offenses they were playing, because yes. that's kind of the packages he would go in. Same same reason Cam Martinez played more. Correct. I mean, he's like they're they're and some of their line, some of their linebackers not so great in the coverage. So I think basically when they go to their third down package and they have two linebackers on the field, which is all they have on any snap now but they want coverage linebackers. It's been Cody Simon and Kayvon Pope who have been those guys often. Mm-hmm. 
not exclusively, but often. That has been his role. Hey, it's third and nine. Kayvon Pope's going in. That's what it looked like last week. And so if that's what he was assuming was going to happen this week and then it didn't happen and then he just like what got mad, that would be because the role was different. He did, again, PFF stuff, I don't know. 39.2 defensive grade last week against Tulsa for Kayvon Pope, which is awful. Like that's terrible. So um, what does that mean? I don't know. In terms of usage, he's kind of been like 2019 Baron Browning light ish. I well, would but say Baron, more. But Baron Browning, Baron Browning had a full time role on also. Yeah. He was sharing snaps with Tough Borland on first and second down. He wasn't only third down. I'm not sure Kayvon Pope like played a snap I've, on first or second down that wasn't in garbage time. That's why I said light. I think. I think he's like Justin Hilliard where there's this like this one game every year where you know you're going to need him, so he's going to play 35 snaps. Like Justin Hilliard in 2019, the Wisconsin game, you knew you were going to play four linebackers, so he plays a lot, but don't expect that to be all 12 games. Maybe the Tulsa game was just like Kayvon Pope's game because you knew they were going to play four wide receivers a lot and you were going to need coverage linebackers for that. But he was like – if he was like Baron Browning light, he was like Justin Hilliard – extra dry or whatever like extra, extra yeah, there it is because because there were games for justin hilliard just didn't play at all on defense. correct yeah and that wasn't happening with pope. but that, he had a role every week but that might be the play to pope because you know there's big 10 teams don't play four wide receivers and you're expecting cody simon to you know improve to roger mitchell to improve over the season you've got ronnie hickman you're expecting craig young to maybe have more of a role as the season continues so it was a situation where the older guy starts it out but as we get further along in the season the younger guy starts to starts to take more of those snaps i think like justin hilliard with a hint of mango maybe I do think, though, I think it's possible that Kayvon Pope was their second-best coverage linebacker because I'm not sure Taraja Mitchell and Tommy Eichenberg, that's what they do best. No. And so, and then who else is there? <laughs> and then you're at a linebacker. Well, they're at a linebacker. Maybe so they, uh, EA? I mean. It's a fair question to ask now because it seems very unlikely that Kayvon Pope is probably – yeah. playing against Rutgers. I mean, that seems like something that the way that played out, even if he stays with this program, I think there's got to be some repercussions for that. Do you so, guys, do you guys have the uh, student athlete handbook that they have? I think they have a student athlete handbook. You guys don't have that on your computer. Do you not? No, immediately I just, accessible. I just didn't, I didn't know if there was like a hard and fast rule about if you say F your team on Twitter in the middle of a game, that's like an, a- uh, you know, an automatic nine game suspension or something. I don't know if there's a hard and fast rule there. I used to have that student athlete handbook. I have it probably like 2008, you know, ah, That's probably 2010. Outdated, though. <laughs> yeah. Back then, Back then it's, it's probably, if you use Twitter to say anything, it's if, a suspension. If you type something on your typewriter and mail it in the middle of a game to a newspaper. Um, so the thing about it is, is it's a national story. Like everybody's talking about it. And it's like embarrassing for Ohio State. It's like, hey, did you hear there's Ohio State had a guy who typed F his team on Twitter in the middle of a game? That's crazy. Nobody likes that, right? I mean, like that's, he embarrassed the program. And I get it. He was mad. Then he deleted it. I mean, we still see it. So that is, uh, I don't know if it, like, did it hurt, Steven, like, does it hurt the team? Right. I don't know if it hurts the team, but it embarrasses the program. And sometimes I think hurting the team is more important 
you can do stuff where it's like, hey, your your brothers don't trust you anymore. You disrespected a coach, which also he probably did disrespect a coach in the sideline, maybe the way some of the conversations they were having. But like that's more real stuff, like making the program look bad. You know, if it's just something goofy or whatever. Um, we were joking about what's the more infamous tweet now. We we didn't come here to play school from Cardale Jones or F Ohio State in the middle of the game. And obviously, I mean, Cardale Jones, like, came and like recovered from that like the best that anybody has ever recovered from anything. Card- he, proved he wasn't here to play school. And they I think they suspended him for a game. If yeah. I remember that right for, for when he did that. So Urban was like, we don't do that. And like, you know, but he didn't go anywhere. And Cardale, I mean, like Cardale's unbelievable, though. I mean, like, how great is Cardale? Nobody can like be what Cardale is. He is his story is one of a kind. <sighs> So, but also we didn't come here to play school is also different than F the team that you're on. Yeah. He wasn't so, attacking his team. I think, really. I think the, yeah. this is the primary difference in these situations is Cardell's tweet just seems like something. It's like, if anybody on that team was going to tweet that, who would you say? Cardell Jones. Yeah, that makes sense. And so they're probably all looking at that. Like Jesus Cardell, please. Uh, we know just don't say it. This is kind of breaking code a little bit like there are just certain things that just don't need to be public and no matter what you're doing in life there's just certain things that stay in house and everything about that situation needed to stay in house and it could have stayed in house because that could have been ryan day comes up to the podium because we're going to ask him about it anyway we all saw it and it's just people get to People, people get emotional. We're in the heat of the moment. Things happen. We still love each other. We move on and they discipline them behind the scenes. You made it public. And now Ryan Day's got to deal with it. And he can't really give a straight answer about it when he gets asked about it. And even when he gets pushed about it afterward. Yeah. And I don't want to come across as like all like Pollyanna here. And I often stand up for, you know, players and whatnot. But like, you can't say good luck to my teammates after you just acted like that. Like you obviously don't support all of your teammates (laughs) you certainly don't support the ones who were going onto the field instead of you for that play i mean that's everybody though i want every you want people to do well it's just not better than you as long as long as they're though i want you to be your very best as long as your very best isn't better than my very best which is what quarterback play is all about and listen you know if it was an all-american who did it ohio state would be like oh no, he meant to type fun, Ohio State. And he just, he just, his fingers slipped. Um, he's fine. Twitter keyboard, right? I mean, it's like they can live without Kayvon Pope, even though they're a little short of linebackers. So um, you get less leeway when that stuff happens. Okay. I, I think that's an appropriate, I didn't want to lead with it because it's not, it's not blowing a hole in the team. He's not one of their 40 best players. And, you know, he did have a minor role. It was crazy. It was crazy, man. I you don't see that very much. And people are going to be talking about it. So we have to address, I think, on a scale at the moment. And again, sometimes like you're, this has definitely happened in my career where it's like a thing happens and you're like, ah, I don't want to go overboard on that. So I'll say it's a three out of 10. And then like six months later, it's like, yeah, remember the thing that happened? Yeah, that was a tiny little signal that there was a 10 out of 10 happening within the team. And how could you not see it? This happened. And it's like, well, I was trying not to go, you know, so I'm I'll leave that possibility out there. But I think at the moment I would still call it a three and a half out of 10. I will. To me, it's not what it 
could mean as far as like some big fracture in the team and things fall apart. I almost think the other thing you're saying about, as I've thought more about it, like they got to find somebody to play that linebacker spot. And, and, and like you said, like there, you named a couple linebackers who probably aren't the candidate to be better than him there. Like how much of a drop off is it when they go to the next guy there? Like, is this going to be like the Cam Brown of last year? Whereas Cam Brown got hurt last year. And at the time we were like, Oh, it's a bummer for him. But like, good thing Ohio state has these other cornerbacks. And then it turned out like, Oh man, they really could use Cam Brown. And like, are we going to be watching a game in like November and some tight end is burning Ohio state on third downs. And we're like, well, Kayvon Pope would help. They have moved some stuff around. I wonder. Roddy Hickman has played so well. Craig Young has not had a huge role. And the role has been, I mean, we thought Craig Young and Ronnie Hickman might split the bullet. And they are not. Like, Ronnie Hickman, that's his job. And Ronnie Hickman has played very good football. Craig Young has this role where, like, sometimes he's 20 yards from the line of scrimmage. Sometimes he's 20 inches from the line of scrimmage. We were talking, Steven, during the game. There's like, oh, like, looks their Rushman package is Craig Young standing over the yeah. center. Could you find – I mean, Craig Young is a pretty athletic guy. Could you Could you have Craig Young? Like, hey, who are your two linebackers on the field, like in, in nickel? It's like, well, it's Craig Young and Cody Simon, right? And we'll find – because I think tonight he was doing some of the stand-up stuff, sort of roamer stuff that Javante Jean-Baptiste has been doing, and he mm-hmm. was out tonight. So I think Craig Young is a very versatile guy, Craig Young, who dropped the Isaiah Simmons comparison in the preseason, which means he can do everything. I think as, just as we're seeing Lathan Ransom go from cover safety to deep safety, if Craig Young goes from like, well, he was a bullet, and then it was like, well, we don't need any more bullets because we have Ronnie Hickman there, and he doesn't come off the field. And we did finally see Court Williams on the field in fourth quarter blowout time. Great to see court Williams. Everybody loves him. Everybody says he's the hardest worker coming back from major injury. If you, I think you could decide we're going to go with Ronnie Hickman and court Williams at bullet and Craig young start coming to the linebacker drills again. I, I don't think that's impossible as you start moving a guys around because, Hey, guess what? Somebody else is good at what you do. There's a hole at something else that we think you could do. Let's fit guys in. I think that could be a solution. We don't, for transparency, we don't go to every practice. So we don't see everything. We don't go to any practice. <laughs> I'm talking, yeah, I mean, in the off season. <laughs> well, even during <laughs> the season, we, don't... we go to two practices in 365 days. Yeah. Even during the preseason, <laughs> we don't see that much. Anyway. <laughs> Correct. Sonny Styles is a five-star recruit in the 2023 class. And if you ask anytime I have asked him who they have told him to watch during their season, it's consistently been Craig Young. And over the off season, when he came for camps, they had him moving all over the place. Defensive line. He worked with Jer- Larry Johnson. He worked with Al Washington. He worked with Kerry. I'm not saying he's as good as Sonny Styles. What I am saying is to the point you just made, Doug, I wonder how many people Craig Young worked with this summer and this and back in the spring for that this exact reason because sometimes he might be up at the line of scrimmage, sometimes he might be back with the linebackers, sometimes he might be covering a tight end because he's kind of a he's not a bullet, he's just a utility player that you can use in these situational moments if you need him. 
I think it's an interesting strategy to appeal to a prospect by telling him to watch a certain player on the field and then not playing that player. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I also think, okay, to I, be I, fair, I they, they say saying. it, yeah, yeah. They, they I, say it in a way where it's like, you're him, but like, we're going to play you more because you're a five-star. Okay, but I agree with what you're saying that the, the transition from like bullet to late down cover linebacker does not seem significant to me. Craig Young coming into this game, because obviously the snap counts for the Akron game aren't out yet. Craig Young, fewer snaps than Kayvon Pope in the first three games of the year. Yeah. So, yeah. and uh, he's still here. So, but also Craig Young, Craig Young is younger. So, um, okay. I think, I think we're good. Trayvon Henderson did some stuff. You know, they got the ball. Jackson or sure. Garrett. Garrett is really. Garrett is having a year, man. Garrett is having a year. Jackson Smith, the Jigba is. I'll tell you what. I am a little. How many? What about Lave tonight? What did Lave do? Who's got a? He had. I have it up. He had three targets, two catches for twelve yards, and most of that came on that touchdown, which was a jet sweep. Yes. Which was like a hey, Chris Olave didn't catch a pass last week. Let's get him a touchdown. There is when I was in college. This was a good newspaper strategy back in the game. And again, newspapers are things where words used to appear on paper and they would throw it in your bush. So when I was in college, I've never heard of this strategy before. Yeah, no, it's it's really good. (laughs) And there was a, there was a guy, the Chicago Tribune, when I was in college in Chicago, to try to get college kids hooked on the newspaper, would just give you newspapers all day, every day. And so every time like we'd walk to town to get a slice of pizza, there'd be the Tribune guy sitting at the table saying, who wants a Tribune? How about a free one? How about a free Tribune? And so like everybody in college was like, how about a free one? So they tonight they said, Free touchdowns. We're playing Akron. How about a free one? And Chris Olave was like, I'll take one. I didn't catch any passes last week. But he did feel super involved still. It's like, here's your free touchdown. And then that was kind of it. Now I get it. They didn't. But like Garrett is just more like obviously impactful because they threw Garrett Wilson a little bubble screen. They had Chris Olave and Jeremy Ruckert block for him. Awesome blocks, by the way. Sprung him down the sideline. But Nathan, it's a little, I don't know if surprising is the right word, but if we thought Garrett is a little bit more catch it short and go, and Olave's a little bit more down the field, although, Stephen, you've talked about Chris Olave after the catch, working mm-hmm. on that this year. We certainly have seen that. But with the quarterbacks they have so far, Nathan, like we understand like, oh, well, that's why Garrett Wilson seems to be doing a little more so far. Yeah, and I, I so last week was a weird week, and this week is weird in a different way. I think from the offensive approach, I so I I know that those are coming back to back. I don't know if I see it as like a trend away from Olave. There was also a play in this game in the first half where I think Olave went up high and on an incompletion and came down weird, and he came out of the game for yeah briefly, for a snap. Mm-hmm. briefly. But like, so there was, I think that might, that might've made me, that was the third target that he didn't catch. But like there, so I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I think it's, it's, it, that's the, maybe the thing to monitor is just that, the difference in the kind of players that they are. But at some point, I think it's going to be interesting. Can Ohio state somehow use Chris Olave's threat 
as a deep threat without having to actually throw him the ball? Like, are there things that can get created within the offense just leverage wise based on how much teams are going to have to respect him downfield? But this was just a night where they weren't attacking vertically. Like they just didn't attack. I don't care. 319 yards, like 85 of those were on a, a reception by a Mecca Buka that went like five yards. For what it's worth. Yeah. Garrett had a play too, where he had to leave the game and Marvin came in. Chris, was great the first two weeks. He had 117 yards against Minnesota on four catches. And then against Oregon, he had 12 catches for 126 yards. So it's really just been these last two weeks. It's just Garrett is louder. So every time he does something, it's like loud and everybody notices it. Because even, I mean, the bubble screen, the great blocking, but he's also stiff arming dudes 60 yards down the field and whatnot. So it's part, it's just easier for if Chris isn't involved, he gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. You don't even realize it till after the game that, man, he didn't have a catch today. Well, if Garrett doesn't have a catch, you might just notice it more because at some point, one of his catches is going to be a highlight. I'm pretty sure last week the targets were Garrett had 10 and Chris had four. Tonight, Garrett had six and yeah. Chris had three. So the last two weeks, Garrett Wilson has 16 targets and Chris Olave has seven. So that's not only loud. That's yeah. how often they're giving you the instrument to play it. Mm-hmm. 16 to seven. And that's, I mean, it's not like Garrett's getting more snaps. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. And to your point, Chris was there the first two weeks, but that's a pretty big difference. Garrett's playing as if Chris didn't come back and what these are the type of numbers we thought he'd put up if, if Chris didn't come back, but also Jackson Smith and Jigba's emergence has played a role in this. No, I know, but a- like, but here we are tonight and Jackson Smith, the Jigba and Garrett Wilson each had six targets and Chris Olave had three. Yep. So like, I just like, yes, and yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. But also this is the best wide receiver also, in the country. Why is he not getting targeted more? Only yes. had seven targets the last two weeks. So I, I don't, he, uh, he can't be the third option, right? I mean, it could be all three equal, but like it can't, I don't think it could be it by the end of the year. It's like, well, Chris Olave is a third option. That, that, that would not mm-hmm. make sense to me. It doesn't matter how good Garrett and Jackson Smith, the Jigba are. Um, you've got to get Chris Olave involved. And if you're not going to throw vertically, then you got to do something else because he's too good. So I don't know. I'm not trying to make too much of it, but like, you know, that's a good player who hasn't had a lot to do the last couple of weeks. All right. Rutgers on the horizon. I have not watched a lot of Rutgers yet this year. Um, they kind of gave Michigan a little trouble on Saturday, which is interesting. And uh, Clemson lost. How about that? Let's get two seconds from each of you guys on that. I mean, that they're on the college football playoff show. Shahan and I have just been like, I mean, the, the Clemson offense and the Ohio State defense has been a direct comparison that we have made multiple, multiple times. And the Clemson offense was so bad, it made them lose to NC State today, Nathan. So I don't want to play the card necessarily like, well, at least Ohio State's not Clemson because, like, well, that's not exactly the point. The, the Ohio State's goal is not have a better year than Clemson. It's like, ah, Clemson went seven and five. Ohio State went went, and f- went eight and four. Take that, Dabo, you weasel. Like, that's not exactly what we're doing here. But, man, that is quite a deal. And, man, DJ is not getting it done. Rather, that offensive line is certainly not doing him any favors. But DJ yeah. has not looked like the dude. No, I mean, and I would, I would also argue, I mean, Ohio State hasn't had to play an opponent like Georgia on a neutral field and it hasn't even had to play a road game as good as playing at NC state because Minnesota, which lost to a Mac team today, not even a good Mac team today um, doesn't make that opening win look very good. 
But uh, I think what you're seeing, and it's an interesting comparison to make between the Clemson offense and Ohio State defense. We obviously don't watch all of Clemson's games, but what we're talking about on offense about how, or on, on Ohio State's defense, you've got these young guys who are flashing and you've got these, these flares of promise and guys actually making plays for Ohio State's defense. So in some cases, putting points on the board, you're just not seeing that from Clemson's offense. Like, I don't think like they're getting the surge that they need. And like, even today, the final play of the game was a catchable ball thrown to Justin Ross. Like not just like some like rando off the street, not some true freshman. It was like their guy. And it just like went right through his hands. Like it's just, they, they've really been kind of hit over the head with it. And now it's, it's weird to like, we're not out of September and Clemson's out of the playoff picture. And maybe the whole ACC is. Class wide open, man. It really is wide open, but it is like if it did like it, it, cause if I still think probably at the moment you would think to SEC and Oklahoma's got to get its stuff together, but like there's, you know, there's who knows what's going to happen in the Pac 12. There's certainly a lot of room and we can get into this later. But if DJ were here, Steven, I mean, there's not a Kyle McCord or a Quinn Ewers sitting behind DJ Uyungalale at Clemson right now, but it is remarkable. I think he had 111 passing yards on Saturday. Mm-hmm. It is remarkable, remarkable for a guy that. People had really high hopes for who threw for 400 plus yards last year at Notre Dame as a true freshman. It is really weird to see what's going on with him right now. They really miss Travis Etienne because he helped him out a lot in those two games. A lot of those yardages were like passes out of the back backfield. Um, I think DJ's best game is against FCS school. And that's when the offense came alive. Obviously I think if you flip CJ and DJ right now, I think we all would be like start Kyle McCord. And it wouldn't even be a discussion of like the nuance of it. It's just like based off what Kyle did today and what DJ's body of work has been, start Kyle McCord. While with CJ, we can just have a conversation because, yes, CJ hasn't been perfect, but he's had great moments. DJ hasn't really had great moments yet against a Power 5 program, and that's not okay for a school who has, has basically made every playoff since missing the first one. But I also think if, if DJ had – Ohio State's offensive line, receiving core, and backfield, he would probably be it's, doing better too. It's not the offensive line. He's like off on throws, like bad off. He he is off, off. Like we're talking about CJ being high on some throws. He's high on throws. He's late on throws. That the pick six against Georgia, it was late. It had nothing to do with his his protection or the, or the receivers. Yeah, the weapons are better here, but that his like timing and his decision making is just off right now. For whatever o, reason, O line's not good. Their O line's not. O line, yeah, their O line is not good. But, but some of his decision making is not because of lack of protection. He's got he's got two good young running backs. Their their veteran running back transfer. The guy yeah. is he's they have a Dallas Gantt kind of thing down there that Lynn J Dixon was waiting forever behind Travis Etienne. This was his year, and they were like, "Nope, it's not you. It's Kobe Pace and Will Shipley." And he was like, "I'm out," which is where we are. Okay, we will be back with the Monday Madness Pod. It's actually going to be up uh, instead of like at four o'clock in the morning on Monday morning. It's going to be up probably more like around noon on Monday uh, because this one's so late. So this will get you through Sunday and you can listen to it into Monday morning if you need to. We'll get this the Monday madness to you early Monday afternoon. And then we'll have the Ryan Day News Conference on Tuesday and a pod on Wednesday. And we'll have a lot to talk about because I think we'll have more information about what's going on with the quarterback situation. And Rutgers 
has enough of a pulse to keep you interested, I think. And I espoused a Rutgers theory after the game today on the field that we will talk about more during the week. And we'll see if you guys agree or disagree. I also send it out on text 614-350-3315. Thanks to everybody who's getting those texts. Thanks to everybody who listens. Thanks to everybody who drops reviews at Apple Podcasts. And of course, thanks to everybody who reads cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Lee Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.